0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to the show, Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We're up and rolling. He's Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. It looks did you put your bag of pretzels away? Can you talk after eating?
2: <laughs> your pretzels are they making you thirsty? <laughs> they are. I just realized I should have grabbed some water too. But if anyone sees me munching on pretzels, it's been a long day, all right? I need I need to get some some carbohydrates back into me. Get a little get the blood sugar back up once again. Is that Yeah. Kind of... <laughs> and I might sneak one to Henry down here cuz he's he's always lurking for a snack. Yeah, I'm sure he is. All right. Well, (laughs)
1: great to have you with us here tonight. Uh, If you haven't seen, we have just for for our uh, listeners, viewers, I guess, as it were, of the old YouTube show here, we're, uh, we're kicking some ideas around the possibility of maybe changing the start time of the show. So weigh in. If you would, I've got a Twitter poll up, Brian. If for the uh, subscribers to the Champions Lounge, Brian also has a poll up there. Would you rather have it? Would you rather the start time stay at six o'clock Eastern time or move up to five o'clock Eastern time? A little earlier uh, potential start time for the show. I vote five o'clock. We're floating it out there. What'd you say? I vote five o'clock. You're five o'clock. See, I wasn't sure which way you would go on this. So, you're five I, o'clock.
2: Yeah, I apologize. I didn't see the poll. I, I, I unfortunately, uh, what's the best word? Terminated my Twitter last night.
1: Oh, did something happen?
2: No, I, I guess terminated is a little uh, too harsh. I just deleted the app. I still have my account. I just okay. no longer have it on my phone. I was just there's just too much going on right now. I just my brain needs a break from all of it.
1: You know what? I'm, you know, and this, uh, I don't want to, you know, go down the the Elon Musk rabbit hole with this, but I I just will say this. What's it been, like, three
2: weeks? It's just Elon made. What's that? It's just constant controversy. Well, I,
1: it's not the controversy. My timeline looks completely different than what it used to look like. And based on the articles I've read, it's because of all these people he's either laid off or ha- who have quit Twitter. The algorithms are not working the same. Like... My feed for the purpose that I want my feed, which is basically a, you know, sports news feed so I can keep up with things right. that are going on. That it's was like my primary reason. every three tweets is a video for somebody, you know, like selling a dog groomer or, you know, like <laughs> test the germs <laughs> on your toothbrush or, or whatever. My feed looks completely different than what it used to look like. and And again, it's because apparently of, you know, the people who. You know, used to keep that feed going in the right direction with the algorithms. They're not there anymore.
2: So right. yeah, I just you know the brain needs a little bit of a break. If I, I think I'm gonna start watching the nightly news to keep up on my uh to keep up on everything, but I just yeah, I, I'm taking a break from the social medias for a while. I just my brain needs a rest from all of it. Yep.
1: I don't I I don't blame you. Sometimes you need a break anyway. See, Mr. 2.0 is gonna go the other way, he'd rather have it go. To seven o'clock. I don't think we're gonna go that direction, Mr. <laughs> 2.0, but I the do appreciate way. you being in here. Yeah. So uh, again, you know, you can chime in here if you'd want or you or you can vote on either Twitter or in the champions lounge five o'clock, six o'clock, we're looking at potentially moving the live show. Of course it does stay up archived. So like you know someone has already said, as long as the show is there, it doesn't matter what time it actually starts because plenty of people watch it after the fact as well. Hit the like button if you would, as you're logging in tonight. We do appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, review on all your podcast channels. We, you know, already speaking of of uh, Twitter, some snark on here. Tommy Guns tweeted this faux NFL statement today. It was all about Super Bowls and the uh, home field advantage that Tampa. And the Rams have had in the last two Super Bowls, you'd never had a Super Bowl played in a a team play a Super Bowl in a home stadium until the last two years. And so he tweeted this fake NFL statement about, well, so they've decided they're going to correct it by playing every Super Bowl from henceforth in Arlington Stadium, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. So...
2: So that means that the because Cowboys you never have never to worry about Super a home field Bowl.
1: advantage, basically. There we go. There we go. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think it's funny how that's aligned, though, because you know the the NFL can't predict who's going to make the Super Bowl what year, and they they have these host stadiums lined up for so you know years out in advance. So it's just it's kind of crazy when when those coincidences happen or the stars align. I guess.
1: Apparently, Elon's taken down spaces as well. Well, again, it takes the. You know, engineers that he used to have to keep spaces going. So I'm sure that that's probably why he's going to take it down. You know, <laughs> like when you get rid of the people who are keeping your technology app going, I guess you've got problems. Well, you know, and, and like Derek is saying, 430. So we've got all the, you know, we're never going to be able to please everybody. I'll be interested to see what the results of these polls comes out. Keep it at, six o'clock, move it to five o'clock. Again, you can chime in, whether it's on Twitter, we've got that pulled up and in the champions line, we've got it up as well.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: So we're in the middle of December. And basically, it, today, I didn't even realize this, today is the halfway point between the end of the regular season and the bowl game. It's been exactly 17 days since the Irish played USC in the Coliseum. And there are exactly 17 days to go from right now until Notre Dame faces South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. So it's still you know, relatively early in the off season, but we're at an important part of the offseason as well. Early signing period starts a week from tomorrow. There's going to be all kinds of special signing day programming going on right here throughout the day on, uh, on the uh, Irish Breakdown channels. And a year ago at this time, you know, Notre Dame riding in the shiny glow of of Marcus Freeman being named the head coach. You know, the shock of, of Brian Kelly going to LSU, it wore off pretty quickly because they traded in what I guess an old reliable Bronco, and there was still that new car smell, you know, with that modern escalade that that rolled into town with with Marcus Freeman. So you Know there was there was no doubt at all a year ago at this time who was winning the offseason. It was Marcus Freeman. He owned it. He was getting love around the country from people who hated Notre Dame, you know, because of the way that Brian Kelly left and and the reaction of the team and, and the whole thing. Marcus Freeman was owning the offseason. But now here we are, a little more than a year later. There have been a few bumps along the way. Uh, you know, that Marcus Freeman and company have kind of had to navigate and I guess what we're going to kind of try to to navigate and figure out ourselves today is Notre Dame winning this off season, as of right now, because you had the latest yesterday. Kane Barong became the fourth player since the regular season ended to enter the transfer portal. You had Drew Pine, Kane Barong, Jaden Bellamy, and Osita Ekwanu all entered the transfer portal, and you know again Barong is the latest. So that's what we are discussing on today's show. Is Notre Dame winning this off season? And I've got some I've got some thoughts. I'll kind of save them here for a little bit. We can kick some stuff around. But were you, I guess, did it where, where did it measure, Jesse, on your your uh, radar when you heard that Kane Barong was going to transfer from Notre Dame? Like what what level of alarm bells went off? If we're going one to five, what what you know what What stage alarm went off when you heard Kane Barong was leaving?
2: Uh, I would say probably stage two. Um, And I don't mean this to be kind of, you know, Kane Barong, tight end, right? And and Notre Dame is known for their tight ends. And obviously Michael Mayer has been the the premier tight end the last three years. Um, But ultimately, you know, it's a guy that hasn't played a whole bunch. Um, He's had, you know, the injury issues. Um, and to, he's, he, it's not like he's a huge time, you know, four or five star kind of level tied in. So for me, um, you know, there, there really was no true alarm of like missing out on something. Right. Like it's not like it'd be way different if this was like, you know, Michael Mayer saying that he was leaving last year, or maybe the year before that. But for me, it, it just wasn't it wasn't like a suit. I, I put it like this. Dylan Edwards flipping his commitment meant more to me than this Barong uh, transfer. I, I I guess okay is how I would look at it. Essentially, I think that there is a bigger loss with Dylan Edwards than there would, you know, be Kane Barong. I, I would say that Dylan Edwards was like a four on that scale compared to Kane who's at like a two.
1: Yeah, and I mean the, the thing with Barong is we just we never got to see him at full strength, unfortunately. He had the ACL injury last year, you know, he was playing a little bit last year. He tears his ACL. And then it, it took him until the middle of the basically a little bit more than a full calendar year to get back up to speed. And the only time that he the only game that he played in this year, of course, was the snow game, which it's like you think, oh, he's coming back from ACL and now he's it's snowing in the second half and he's gonna play. But we saw Kane Barong out there. And, you know, it it's not like we saw him make his mark in that game, and I don't mean that in a negative way. By any means, but this is a guy who predominantly played some special teams last year, got a few offensive snaps last year. And again, because of the injury, we just never got to see him. He was the number one rated tight end in the country in his recruiting class. You know, so there was a lot of promise and potential there. The thing I think that stood out to me over the last few days is we got to talk to both Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese this weekend, and both of them were asked. You know, about Michael Mayer leaving as they gear up for this Gator Bowl, and you know, sort of how that affects the offense. And both of them talked about Mitchell Evans and Holden Stays having their roles affected, but neither one of them mentioned Kane Barong. You think about that.
2: You know, to me, that kind of shows a couple of things. One, that this was kind of maybe expected, you know, it just hadn't been maybe announced yet. And I think another thing is, is it just kind of shows, you know, kind of a natural depth chart of where he stood in relation to the rest of the tight ends, which is probably, you know, a factor or or deciding factor that played into his overall departure, right? Like he's gone through injury issues. Uh, He's kind of, you know, farther back or set back on the depth chart. Um, And so when your head coach is kind of talking in that fashion, it seems like, those were the the things that were were kind of being referenced without directly saying them is he's lower on the depth chart. And they probably knew that there was inclination that he was thinking about leaving or that, you know, there was maybe even discussions that had already been had.
1: Yeah. You know, Holden stays started the season at the bottom of Notre Dame's tight end depth chart. But now by the end of the season, he's number two basically behind Mitchell Evans. And of course, Mitchell Evans had to come back from an injury of his own. Now, a lot of that depth chart obviously has to do with some injuries as well, because you've got, you know, like Eli Raritan was playing and he's injured. He's out for the year, return ACL. Kevin Bauman is out once again, but even, you know, again, Barong was back. And even after he was healthy enough to play stays was still ahead of him. And apparently just based on kind of looking at things that didn't really change, like you know, they they talked about these younger guys and guys who hadn't played as much, getting a lot of reps these first few days of practice that they had last week. Barong never elevated, so you know, again, not being there and being able to see it, you know, it's 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 obviously very hard to judge exactly, you know, where where he was, you know, was he clearly behind these guys and that kind of thing? But obviously, he felt like. It was a situation where it was best for him to move on because again you know like reese and freeman asked about tight ends with with michael Mayer gone and you didn't hear anything about king barong being asked and so now again you've got drew pine jaden bellamy kane barong who has a couple years of eligibility remaining osita ekwanu you've got four guys who have transferred since the season has ended, entered the transfer portal anyway. Since the season has has ended, and you also have a couple of decommitments. The biggest one, four-star running back Dylan Edwards from the 2023 class. Of course, he flipped to Colorado. But then you've also got in next year's class, 2024 defensive lineman, another four-star guy, Brandon Davis Swain. So Freeman, at his press conference on Saturday, he was asked about. Having the hard conversations with with players about where they are in the pecking order, where they stand, you know what their roles look like going forward, and here's what Freeman had to say about that.
3: You're very honest and you're very clear for expectations you know if there's questions about what's my role in the bowl game and I don't know if I can give you a specific answer. we're not going to make any promises and um, and that's what we can not do that does a disservice to your program, but also to that kid You start making promises that you don't know if you can fulfill um, You lose that trust factor that you have between you and that player, but um, you have to be as honest as you can So it's our coaches we have to be honest with our players. We have to be honest with you know And I loved you kind and but part of that love for him was to say we'll possibly looking into the transfer portal take a quarterback and um, I could have not told him and lied and said we're not going to take a quarterback and, and waited until after the game and said hey we're going to look for a quarterback, but that's not that's not what we're built on. We're built on real, authentic relationships and, and um, having those honest conversations. And you know what? Drew made the best decision for Drew, and I say it's the best because he made it. Um, and I love him again and. We're so grateful for what he did for our program this year, and uh, I wish him all the best. But I'll never go back and regret the conversation that we had about our plans uh, moving forward. You know, and, and um, you know, and, and I can't wait to see him thrive and do great things um, in college football this upcoming year. Um, and we all have to continue to move forward. You know, and, and uh, again, my job's do make decisions and, and continue to evaluate what's best for our football program and, and, um, and that's what
1: I'll continue to do. So Marcus Freeman kind of segued on his own from a general conversation about having the hard conversations with these guys about where they stand on the depth chart, what's going on at their position. Like he said, you know, he told Drew Pine that they're bringing in a transfer quarterback in the off season. So, you know, Jess, you've been part of College teams, like when you when you listen to Marcus Freeman there talk about having those conversations with guys, are 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 you up? Are you agreeing with what he's talking about?
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think that the respect I had for the most respect I had for my college coaches are the ones that were you know the ones that were upfront and honest with you and told you what you needed to do and you know where you stood. And a lot of that usually came at the end of the season when we had what were called exit interviews. You know, going into the off season and preparing for weight training and then, you know, ultimately coming back for spring ball. But you just like to have an honest, you know, picture painted on where you stand within the team, things you need to work on and et cetera. And I thought the biggest things that Marcus Freeman brought up were promises and trust. And that was a lot of the issues that I kind of had or faced during colleges is I had a coach that made a lot of promises to a lot of people. Right. And and then, and then ultimately, that that ends up into obviously, you know, broken promises and, and no longer there being any sort of trust. And that was another big word that Freeman brought up was trust. And you know, playing in, in today's era, I was talking about this with actually my boss today at work. You know, you don't want to hold these guys hostage by any means, right? Like there are so many opportunities for guys to to go out there. And when you make promises that you know, oh, these guys are going to play. Oh, these guys are hey going to play. You're you're almost kind of manipulating the mind of some of these players because then they they hang around on these words that you said of, you know, you're going to get this time or, you know, I promise you're going to get your chance and then you never really get it. And it's really frustrating at least for myself. Cause I felt like I did a lot of things kind of that I was asked to do. And it ended up kind of being some empty promises on the backside, you know, for, for whatever those reasons were. And those that I respect Marcus Freeman a lot for that. And I think you're going to build a really good program when you and your players have a, that level of trust between yeah. each other and knowing kind of what's coming.
1: You can't, Like you said, you can't just make empty promises to keep guys around so you have a nice looking depth chart. You know, like you 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 can't do that because then what ends up happening in the long run? Guys are just even more upset. You know, they they keep investing, they keep doing things that either their position coach, their head coach, their coordinator, whoever is telling them to do. And if they're meeting certain benchmarks and they're not moving anywhere, then I I think that it, it just becomes a, a situation where it can become toxic because then you don't want unhappy guys, grumbling guys roaming around in your program because then it, it just makes things even worse. And I'm not saying that that's Kane Barong by any means because obviously he decided to enter the transfer portal. I'm just saying you don't you don't want to make empty promises and it doesn't sound like that's what Marcus Freeman is doing. You know, we've talked before about he's having these open honest conversations with these guys and some guys have decided to move on. So far, it's only four but the other side of this and and you know something that's a little bit curious about the timing of this you know just in terms of what kind of conversations took place or didn't take place or you know that kind of thing is Freeman also said Saturday that there weren't going to be any more bowl opt-outs and there weren't going to be any more players entering the transfer portal before the bowl game
3: um uh-huh that was what last week was for those you know we're off the road we had those two weeks ago after the USC game we had those conversations we had we gave them time to really reflect and make decisions and you know we told them by this past week we wanted to make sure that um, our guys have made decisions on opting out or, or um, going into transfer portal so again I can't predict the future but I don't anticipate anybody else um, not playing in the bowl game um, or going into the portal
1: right now. So something happened. And I'm not playing, you know, aha, gotcha here by any means, but he did just stand up there Saturday and say there's not going to be, you know, he didn't anticipate any more, but then just two days after he said that, Kane Baron goes into the portal. So I, I guess my you know, bigger picture now, are you concerned that we could see even more, you know, guys, you know, enter the portal or or whatever. In these next 17 days or, you know, maybe even in the next week before the bowl game.
2: You know, I I, I would be actually surprised if we saw one and I would be kind of shocked if we saw two at this point, because, you know, what Marcus Truman prevents or presents in, in not is compared to what a lot of coaches don't do is he's he's honest. He's having these conversations with people. And he's giving them a hard ultimative of saying, I'm going to give you the honest truth. So in return, I need you to give me the honest truth. You know, do you want to stay or do you want to leave? So, you know, I I really think that on, on his end, he's done everything to kind of lay the boundaries of, you know, that the guys need to have these decisions made and hopefully that they are respecting that. And I think that's why I would be shocked is because. Marcus Freeman is respecting everyone else, and so I think in return you're going to see him being respected because I don't. This isn't this isn't like a lot of coaches. You know, a lot of coaches, and and kind of back to what we were talking about. You know, when when you make empty promises and and things like that, recruits get a hold of that information, right? Like guys aren't gonna gonna be able. You know, you get a reputation built for yourself, and I think that Marcus Freeman is trying to build that honest um, relationship amongst his players and recruits, and you know, saying. I'm a man of my word, essentially, you know, whatever I say, I'm going to follow up with. So that trickles down to recruits. And so that's that's a really good sign to see going forward.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, as Tyler said, that's why you have to be honest with kids. The programs that have a lot of transfers, uh, some of that is because the coaches lied to players about playing time. And I completely agree. You know, that's I, I, I think that happens quite a bit and again coaches are more concerned about themselves and you know and again having the depth chart and whatever else and you know so where they are you know like if you look at, again at, at the tight end position you've got Raritan hopefully coming back next year you know I already saw the comment about you know that, that Anthony said when healthy Raritan has a chance to be the next great tied in. And that's absolutely right. But the big, you know, big concern with with Raritan now is can he stay healthy because he had the ACL in high school. He had the ACL this year. It's very unfortunate. You know, one ACL tear is bad enough and now he's got to work his way back and, and come back and hopefully get, you know, healthy and, and ready to go. So, you know, it's, it's but, but you've got them and you've got an incoming freshman next year as well, and of course, then you've got Kevin Bauman coming back also next year. So you're still going to have a pretty full tight end room, and you're going to have a lot of talent. It's still a position that Notre Dame has done very well with. You're not going to have necessarily a Michael Mayer, but you're still going to be pretty deep at the tight end position. And again, maybe that played into you know whatever conversation Marcus Freeman slash Tommy Reese may or, you know slash Jared Parker may have had with Kane Barong about kind of what lies in store for him potentially in the future with, with where he is in the pecking order and that kind of thing. So again, you know, if it's if it's that honest stuff and, and he's decided to make a mis- decision for himself, that's fine. Uh, when you look at the balance of what's happened in these 17 days, you always see polar ends of the spectrum. I don't think, it doesn't seem like most people in here are panicking By any means, because again, you've only seen four guys go into the transfer portal and the most prominent of them being Drew Pine, who, yes, started 10 games, helped you win eight of those 10 games, but he did open the season as the backup quarterback. If Tyler Buckner hadn't become injured, we may, you know, have never seen Drew Pine or or we may have just seen him in small doses like we ended up seeing Steve Angeli in small doses this season. But again. 17 days since the regular season ended, eight days to go until signing day with a couple of decommitments in the last week, one in each class, 2023 and 2024, 17 days to go until the bowl game. Where are you right now? Is 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 Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame, are they winning the offseason at this point?
2: You know, for me, it doesn't really feel like they're winning or, or losing. It feels like they're kind of in this neutral mode right now and kind of you're losing off kind of the dead weight or the fat right now, right? Like you, you're you're kind of condensing your roster. You're You're losing guys to the portal. You're losing guys, you know, for whatever it might be. And they're not making any portal moves yet. It just seems like the focus is right now on recruiting. So I would say they're definitely winning the recruiting, right? Like that's a big thing that's going on right now because of You know, finals at the end of the season, they get a little time off. They prepare for finals. Obviously, there's bowl prep. This is a big window for a lot of, you know, closing down this recruiting class. And so for that reason, you know, I think that we've kicked it into kind of second or third gear out of that neutral state uh, when talking about winning the offseason. And and so, you know, the recruitment going forward compared to losing a couple of these players when, let's be honest, at the end of every season, you lose a couple of players, right? Like no one – the roster is never exactly um, the same, but I, I would say that the only thing that that kind of not really concerns me, but there just hasn't, what really seems to be, they're, they're not actively interested in the portal right now, right? Like it just seems like the, the main concern is, you know, finishing up this recruiting class, getting through this bowl game, preparing for this bowl game, and then seeing what lies ahead with the transfer portal after the season kind of concludes. So, for me, I, I would say that they are they're definitely not losing, but they're not like excelling in this offseason. But they're winning overall, it's a net positive in my eyes.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've again for the most part, the transfers have been depth guys, and that's what we talked about at the start of this process after the season ended. That we were likely to see guys enter the transfer portal, but the majority of them were likely to be depth guys. Now, and that's pretty much what you've had so far. Again, you had Drew Pine. And then three other guys. Jaden Bellamy didn't see the field at all this year. Ekwunu hasn't played a whole lot. And, you know, again, Kane Barong has not played a lot. A highly, a highly thought-of tight end coming out of high school, but guys who haven't made a dent. So like this offseason is still young. So maybe we're getting close to the end of the first quarter. You know, like if we're gonna use a, a football game, you know, as as our analogy you know like we're getting close to the end of the first quarter maybe maybe they're trailing you know like by a touchdown or seven to nothing or something like that at this point because when you mix in the decommitment you know I think that you know that obviously freaks some people out especially as talented as a guy like Dylan Edwards is but again we talked about Edwards on the show I guess that's been exactly a week ago today as a matter of fact we talked about him on the show and you still have a lot of talent he is as of now now you lost keon Keeley early on you know like earlier so in the last 17 days that hasn't happened you know and, and so i'm kind of keeping it more to what's happened in these last 17 games maybe you're down by a touchdown or so but you're still pretty early the biggest thing is what happens eight days from now at this point, if they can, if they can get that class together, get them to sign on the dotted line, that's the big thing for them. And then you move forward, you're ready for the Gator Bowl, you come out of the Gator Bowl, you're into your winter conditioning and all that kind of stuff. And as some other people I've already seen say here is, you know, they're more maybe concerned about what happens after spring, when when the next transfer portal window opens. I mean, as of right now, there's there's nothing when I look at any of these transfers that makes me panic because you have right now the number three recruiting class in the country coming in. You have a very talented freshman class, many of those guys you expect to be see you know start to see make some impact next season. you know that's that's where like if you're losing some guys, it's offset by the fact. That you've got a lot of talent coming in in the next couple of years. Uh, some of the comments: Lance says he feels like he shouldn't worry about the transfer portal till after the second, you know, transfer portal window closes. Especially if you have gotten a transfer quarterback, and that's and that's a good point. The transfer portal quarterback, like if they announced a transfer portal quarterback tomorrow, that could offset a lot of angst that a lot of people already have right now.
0: Kroger Fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
2: Yeah, I feel like that is if, if Notre Dame came out and got a transfer quarterback, I think that it, like there would be no more concerns really this off season, right? Like even even the bowl result, I don't think would affect a lot of people. I just think that everyone going forward wants to know that they're actively upgrading at quarterback. And you made a good point too. It's not like these guys who are leaving are you know like the benjamin morrison like if, if that was the type of guy who was leaving then you're like okay we're in a little bit of panic mode here or maybe if one of the you know or estimate or digs transferred then you'd be like uh okay <laughs> maybe we need to look at some things but we're not you're not you're not losing big death pieces you're just like i said it just feels like some of the excess is falling off kind of not dead weight because that that kind of can be seen as you know not giving these guys their credit, but ultimately it's guys who just really haven't contributed on the field yet. And I think they know that their opportunity is kind of passing them and they're, they're looking for an opportunity to basically play, right? Like they, they know if they want to play to a certain extent, they're going to have to go somewhere else.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's still a heck of a lot that can happen in the meantime. Hang on just a second. Got to get rid of something here. We get that. There we go. Um, some other comments that I saw. Uh, Salty was saying he's worried about the portal every single day, and it's now a little scary like, logging in to Champions Lounge. But you know, I, I think that that that's kind of where you sit at this time of year. Everyone's sitting on a little bit of pins and needles, waiting for things to happen. But I, I think I think it's mostly just like you. You know, again, like you start to see one or two guys go and you're worried that it's going to be this flood of guys. I just, I don't think that we're going to see that. I don't think that we're going to see it at all. You know, so maybe, you know, it's like worried about going to the doctor's appointment or going to the dentist. I think, you know, it can be painful, but how painful is it really going to be? Um, You know, John says he thinks that they'll lose some defensive backs, maybe not now, but maybe after the bowl game. They've been passed up. And again, you know, this is, kind of, you know, like Jaden Bellamy, for example. You know, Jaden came in, lowest rated of uh, of the guys, you know, in, in the uh, current freshman class. And with Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey both having some, some success. And then the fact that you've got some veterans, you've got Cam Hart and Clarence Lewis both coming back as well. And then again, you've got you know some more talented guys on the way where's the potential opportunity for Jaden Bellamy it's probably in his best interest if he you know really wants to play especially by next year that he looks around you know and so maybe we do see some more young guys take off it's you know it's I, I think that it's it's fair to be you know i don't know if worrying is even the right word but at least to be wondering if something like that is going to happen and I agree with what John says. That you know, the biggest thing is that many times the decommitments result in upgrades. I think that's true as well. And coffee's for closers. Stock is still up on Notre Dame football. Improvement at QB1 via portal or Tyler Buckner steps it up, the future is bright. And that's as long as as long as the guys at the top of the depth chart and you know some of these other guys like key guys, key young guys, we you know, the you know, the four star type guys who are on the roster who we haven't seen as long as those guys stay put i think they're fine i'm i'm not you know again maybe they're trailing a little bit mostly because of the the uh the decommit last week but i would still be feeling pretty good if i'm notre dame and and uh what john says must win the bowl game i'm still like how important And I'm not saying it's not important to win, but like when you're looking at, you know, like what residual are you going to to get by winning the Gator Bowl? Big picture, what does that get you? Just the fact that you won the Gator Bowl? How Where do you place the importance on that, Jess?
2: Yeah, so I actually was hoping that we'd get to this comment. I think you go in with the mentality, of course, this is a must-win game. Like there is no, you know, you prepare for like you would against USC, Ohio State. You know, whoever it might be, this is definitely you, you You go in with this is a must win, but it's not do or die if they win or lose this game. Sure. It's always great to win your bowl game because that's like the encapsulating, you know, into your season. It's like, it's like your final grade, right? Like if you're taking, you're taking a class all semester and then you have to take your final exam. To me, that's often what these bowl games are, you know, outside of not playing in the major bowl games. It's like your final exam to kind of give yourself that final grade of the season and see kind of how far you come individually and how far you come in as a team. And I think another big thing is that it just gives you, when you win, it sets the it sets the stage for next season. It gives you momentum for next season. It makes you feel good um, about next season, especially, you know, with Notre Dame's opponent. They're going to play a Tier 1 SEC school. And, yeah, South Carolina has some guys that are, you know, transfer polling or whatever it might be, but so does Notre Dame. So it's, it's going to be equal playing field of both teams are going to, you know, figure out what they have going forward while also determining, you know, ultimately the success of their season. And I'm not saying the entire success is driven by this bowl game, but again, it's like your final grade overall of determining, you know, how you feel individually and how you feel as a team at the end of the season.
1: Yeah. See, like you, you talked about the momentum and I've seen other people say it as well. I've just never generally bought into the importance of, Momentum going into the off season because you just
2: never want to lose the last game. Though. No,
1: and, and I agree, but it, but like the whole it gets you momentum going into the off season again. Like once you play that bowl, you're going to lose a lot of players from your roster, whether they're NFL graduation or even transfer. So, what your team looks like on January second, or you know January whatever after all the bowls or after you play your last game, whenever it happens to be late December, early January, compared to nine months later when you play your first game. I just, I, I've just never really bought into the momentum aspect of it. Do you want to lose? Absolutely not. Are you playing to win? Absolutely, yes. But I've just I've never been a big believer that there's that much actual carryover into the offseason just because of the natural turnover that you have on your roster that that everyone has every year afterwards.
2: Yeah. And I agree. And like you said, it's, it's not like this must win game, but you just go into it like every other game. And if you lose, obviously it's, it's not the same of losing in the playoffs and new year's six bowl game. It's not the end of the world. It's just obviously the season always feels better. And the upcoming season always feel better when you can end your season uh, with a solid victory. Yeah. You know,
1: Anthony says, Brian's a believer in the momentum and that's fine. He's entitled to his opinion and I'm entitled to mine, you know, like we, we don't agree 100% on everything. He, he, you know, knows a lot about football and he's allowed to, to, you know, to, to believe that all he wants. But again, I just think that because of the, like, like it's, it's, it's not like someone sitting around in the middle of January when winter workouts start and was like, yeah, we won the Gator bowl. You know, let's work harder this off season. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I, I just don't buy into that. You know, uh, again, You wanna win, I think that's, you know, winning every game possible is what you're out there trying to do, that's the objective every game. But I I just, like, I don't don't know what that buys you extra. I just, I don't think that a a lot of recruits are, are sitting there going, man, you gotta win the Gator Bowl. You know, like, it didn't affect anything really, you know, when they lost the Fiesta Bowl last year. I think the bigger picture is your recruits see you on TV you know and they know where they're going and no matter what happens in any game you can always tell the recruits you can make us better just by being here